Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here. OutKick 360 live from 6th and Peabody with Dehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here today. Glad you're with us listening uh, to this great radio station or across the OutKick network streaming live at OutKick.com and all of the socials. Just search us out, OutKick360. We'll hope you'll subscribe. Share the link as well as we continue to push the show across the Southeast and beyond. Headlines, and then we get to Michael McHenry in studio with us talking Major League Baseball headlines. Um, So Keenan Allen's out for Thursday night football for those fantasy football players out there or those into wagering a bit in the middle of the week. One of the... The, the top wide receiving option for the Chargers is not going to be available on the road tomorrow in Kansas City. They may, though, get J.C. Jackson in the lineup. He's listed as questionable. But this is where a coach may lean towards not playing him because you have another long weekend, and then you get into week three with 10 days rest. That's the dilemma a lot of these guys face, especially with some of the soft tissue injuries. So we'll see uh, about their one of their top corners who just got here from New England. Um, Russell Wilson was asked today about Nathaniel Hackett doing the about face and whether or not he agreed with it. Uh, here's the tweet. It said, this is from Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network. Wilson was just asked if he agrees with Nathaniel Hackett now saying that he should have gone forward on fourth and five quote. Listen, I think, uh, yeah. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. Next question. Way to cap. Listen, I think, uh, yeah. Next. There's his answer. Well, so Wilson, I mean, and he knew it post game where he was just like, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to have been out there, but you know, we trust our kicker and you know. and look, Hackett, I would have liked Hackett's- to have seen uh, Russell Wilson throwing more of a fit in that situation. Quite frankly, I know most would say you don't want your quarterback to be showing up the head coach and all this, but I would like to see a little bit of emotion in that setting, looking over, saying, "Come on, let's go." You know, like wanting to run the play and not just casually jogging off to the side and sitting down and looking at plays and putting his ball cap back on. And it was an odd look from Russell Wilson uh, throughout that. I I felt like I wanted to see him get upset. It was also an odd statement by Hackett, who said, yeah, in hindsight, we should have gone for it. But then if you read more, listened to more, he said, because we missed it. And, you know, he still kind of talked in a way that suggested, but our plan was to get him to the, into his number and, and go for it. And he didn't say that shouldn't have been our plan. He said, the, given, given how things went, we should have gone for it. The inclination from fans and everyone is always just to blame the kicker. Blame that stupid kicker who's not a football player, whose one job is to make kicks. And that's always what people want to do. If that kicker said 64 yards, then damn it, he better hit from 64 yards or cut his ass at that point, right? It's on the team. First off, there are so many things that happen to get to that 
point with Seattle, who's not good. Yeah, don't fumble. Th- that, you're, that you're battling. Absolutely. But in that setting, you've got timeouts in your pocket. You don't go for it on fourth and five. Like, don't, don't even say, yes, we should have gone for it and leave the slightest bit of room for someone to come back and say, oh, you know, but, you know, if, they, if because he missed it, then it was a bad, because he missed, no, 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 no. Bad decision by you. Bad clock management, total failure. Bad not, drive. Not because your kicker dared to miss a 64-yard field goal on the road. It is all on you. Now, the Titans situation, Randy Bullock should hit a 47-yard field goal. He is much to blame for the Titans' loss. I understand fans being mad at him, but you also need to be mad at poor clock management, shocking yourself with a good pass play to Kyle Phillips, and then having to burn a timeout because to avoid delay of game because you're not ready to run another play after that. That's on the coach. That's on the quarterback. That's on your offense. That's on your coordinator. It's not just the kicker's fault. We want to immediately assign all the blame one way or the other. Now, the Broncos situation, I'm, I'm going 99% on the coach. I go 1% on Brandon McManus acting so confident about a 64-yarder where he wasn't close on it and saying that he was in range for that. But it's 99% on the coach. But let's when a game comes down to a kick, it's very easy just to say the stupid kicker messed it up. When there's a lot of factors that lead to that. Well, you want to get more pissed off about Randy Bullock's miss and what Mike Vrabel did at the end of that game? This is from Mike Herndon at paulkuharski.com. 47 yarders in the last 10 years, 81.7%. 42 yarders, if they had bothered to get five yards there, 91.1% rate. So he could have gained 10% chance of making that kick with five yards. With 10 yards, 95.7%. So you're talking about 15% gain there for 10 yards, 10% gain with five yards. That is not insignificant. And Mike Vrabel is usually pretty good about knowing stuff like that. That's giving away 10% odds there very casually, very nonchalantly. Well, there's there's a lot of people coming after me on Twitter saying, oh, the three yards didn't matter because he hooked that thing terribly. It wouldn't have been good from three yards he closer. Hit, he can't presume and he hits look, the maybe, same kick. Maybe the, my tweet was a little bit poorly worded, but it's not just the three-yard loss on going back to get it on the right hash. It's the opportunity cost of not running a play with Derrick Henry before that where maybe he gets four yards. Maybe he gets ten yards. And then you call a timeout, and it's a chip shot at that point. It completely changes the attempt it changes, you know, maybe 10 yards difference. That thing sneaks in the left upright. Who knows? But point being, it's the whole sequence where you don't get a playoff and you had to burn the timeout to save yourself from a delay of game. Well, th- what happened in Denver, in Seattle, rather, for Denver felt like, to me, it's, just, it's the equivalent of Tony LaRusso walking, a, intentionally walking a player with two strikes on him and putting him on first. Yeah. I, I that, it just makes no sense to me. Good coaches, and I know Vrabel does this weekly, and I'm sure others do too. Vrabel does it on, on Fridays. I think he takes scenarios from around the league and shows his guys, mm-hmm. right? So he would take the Denver s- scenario and show his guys, but he doesn't need to because he's got his own scenario. So I wonder if between these two scenarios, good coaches around the league are showing them, and we'll see less dumb 
kicking selection by coaches around the league, having seen two of their colleagues make dumb kicking selections. It'll be interesting at the end of this coming weekend to see what kind of end of game kicking choices are made with long well, field goals. But, I mean, those change week to week. I think it's hard to make a definitive statement on, no, oh, clearly. he's changed his mind on where the marker should be because the, the field conditions change, the wind changes, the direction of the drive changes, especially in Buffalo if we're going to tie in the Titans here. No, but or, or any, I mean, I, I don't both know. Both left some time on the clock when they could have gotten oh, more yeah. yards. Are we going to see that again? I, I think in the high 40s or longer – we're going to see – we should see people push to get well, those yards. Well, we should depends. have seen it this last weekend. It also – to me, it depends on who you're playing. I mean, if I'm playing Josh Allen in Buffalo, yeah, I'm going to drain it down to where that's going to be the final play. Right. But if it's Justin Fields or Geno Smith or – you know, I'm not – You're less worried. I'm not worried about that guy with 30 seconds on the clock pulling off a miraculous throw down the field against my defense. So I, th I think it also matters with your, but I mean the, we're discussing some big moments that separate the haves and the have-nots of the league, and so you know Buffalo and uh, Kansas City and all, I mean all those guys have they have head coaches who are just in tune with the rhythm and flow of every offense, and there was a lot of just miscommunication. Not just we're not speaking directly in Nashville across the league with kickers and the the line to gain. It's almost like the offenses, as soon as they got to the 47. Let up. Look to the sideline. We got it. Okay. Here we are. We made it here. And kicking has gotten very good. So this was yeah. maybe, may you know, a, a setback so for the movement. It's, it's just weird because the last thing I want to do is put a game on the foot of a kicker. And I feel like the guys playing the game, the last thing they want to do is put it on the foot of a kicker. Especially, like you said, Hutton, because we got it to the 47. Let's kick this really long and, field goal. And that's what uh, that's what it's just we that's a weird Hackett again. Was it, it's that. what bothers me about Russell Wilson just politely jogging off to the sideline with no issues on that. Yeah. I'm thinking, and also, dude, you're the franchise, not Nathaniel Hackett. Are we conflating Randy Bullock with Justin Tucker? No. You know, well, I, I feels am, like we are. I am, a little I am believing bit. more and more. If Not you, we, Mike Vrabel. If you if you have a Justin well, Tucker or a K. York, or one of these guys. NFL kicker needs to hit a forty-seven yeah, yard field goal. Look, Justin Tucker is good from sixty plus. Yeah, forty-seven is different. I, I saw plenty of college kickers make good from forty-seven with no issues on on yeah. Saturday. So. I, I understand he needs to hit it. I agree with you, but He's he doesn't always hit it. No, I, I agree, and that is a personnel problem when you can't find that guy. But for years and years, I mean, NFL kicker was a lifetime appointment. You're a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. You get that job, you could be in it for 20, 25 years, you felt like. How long was Hanson, Jason Hanson, the kicker for the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day games, year after long year time. after year, who was very good and very efficient? Now I look at Justin Tucker and I think these guys are underpaid. When you're, when you're that good, the Cade York could be that way and, and – Cleveland. Yeah. McPherson could be McPherson, that way. you know, bad day with the the bad snap on a chip shot that would have won the game. But when you get one of those guys that they're ice water in those situations and you know when they trot out there, you feel really good about it, you want to hold on to them. That York play, by the way, I, I put it down yesterday. We never got to it. So remind me that the scenario, they uh who were they playing against? Carolina. So so um they took the snap. Um, Brissett took the snap, right? That would have been, 
and he um, you, you had in the rundown. I don't know. Go ahead. He, he did not directly spike that ball. He kind of backed oh. out a little bit and kind of pump faked a little bit and then spiked it. And Rule was saying on the sideline immediately that it should have been an incomplete pass. That's a very precise rule. You have to take the snap and immediately spike it. If you don't, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a, a grounding, and it would have been a five-yard penalty at least there. That would have backed. We were talking about how that field goal would have been good from a lot longer. It should have had to have been good from a lot longer. The, the official even said in a pool report uh, that admitted that he backed out a little bit what we judged it to be okay. Well, the rule is very precise. You can't do anything except immediately spike the ball. They blew that call. That field goal should have been from further back. He may well have hit it because wow. he had a ton of leg on it, but Carolina kind of got screwed on that last call. So I, I read this rule. I, I was reading a story about this, and, and the, the interpretation I read was a little bit different, and they acknowledged that it looked extremely odd because typically you snap it and you're immediately doing it, right? You're, you're trying to stop the clock quickly. But um, it, has, it cannot be two motions. Like if you, if you fake it or you're intentionally standing with it and then try to do it, it's, a, it's an intentional grounding. By letter of the law, and I'm trying to find the story that had this, even though it looked extremely awkward, you could say it was not a penalty because he took one giant drop back. You can't take multiple steps back. See, the way I read it is you're not allowed you to back one, out. You take one giant. It's got to be in one motion, but it was one slow motion. Like a back out? Giant step back, and then a big – it was a longer throw down where he had the time. So it was almost a slow motion look, but by letter of the law, you could say it wasn't a penalty because of that. I think he got lucky, and I wouldn't mess with it, at a, especially at a point like that. I mean, if you're just stopping he, the clock for like a random thing, but if you're stopping well, the clock what for does, a long field goal. The impact that could have. So yeah. here's the NFL rule. Immediately upon receiving the snap, he begins a continuous throwing motion and throws the ball directly into the ground. Now, you could say directly, when you take a big step back, is that really directly? But it was, when you look at it, continuous motion, he didn't fake it. He didn't run to the right and try to do it. It was one step back, really slow, and then he threw it. And the delayed spike rule is a passer, after delaying his passing action for strategic purposes, is prohibited from throwing the ball in the ground in front of him, even though he is under no pressure from defensive rusher. So that is where you could say it was a delayed spike because he took so long doing it. And they... In other words, That's a big there's call. some interpretation. There, they there could is have a little bit more room for they interpretation. They could have called it. They could have not called it. But let's, by not calling it, consider what could happen just based on the result. Matt Rule's fighting for his life in Carolina. And this is a great example of a win that the Browns needed if they're going to have their playoff hopes alive yeah, whenever Deshaun call. Watson comes around. Yep. So, I mean, if you're just trying to go 500 this is a huge momentum push that direction off of that five, one five missed yards. call or, or not based on interpretation of someone not even involved in either organization. Yep. That's I want to go back and crazy. look at it now. I want to go back and look at it now, but NFL Rewind or now NFL Plus makes it yeah. so difficult to precisely find a play. Oh, yeah. I was watching the end of the Titans game to see the timing, to see whose fault it was that they – Got that uh, we're going to get a delay of game. 
that it kept going right to the end of the game. And when it goes right to the end of the game, it goes right back to the beginning of the game. Then it had to scrub all the way forward. It is the biggest fail of the NFL who does everything right on, on terms of the things that sells. And this thing, which I get for free, I, I have to concede that. I can't complain too much about a free product. But it is so poorly designed. It could be so much better. One quick funny tweet before we get to our in-studio guest. Um, this comes from Husk Guys, who's apparently as a Nebraska fan account. Mm. This is a great example of trolling with factual information that sets people on fire, <laughs> and they're actually telling the truth. Breaking. Sources close to Lincoln, Nebraska have confirmed Urban Meyer will be on campus <laughs> on Saturday. He's there with Big Noon Kickoff Show. But people are retweeting this with the because it says breaking in sources like, oh, Urban Meyer is going to be talking to Nebraska about the head coaching job. Great job by whoever runs the Husk Guys account, which has 33,000 followers. It's a big Nebraska fan account. Michael McHenry joins us, former Major League catcher, uh, now broadcaster with the Pirates. He will be in studio with us. We're going to go through uh, the scenarios right now as we almost uh, reach the, the October race for the playoffs. You've got Judge in pursuit of Maris's number. True last night. Pujols in pursuit of 700. A lot of storylines. Rules changes, which I know Michael is, is not fond of. We'll get into all that straight ahead. First, though, DraftKings. Bet $5, get $200 instantly for all new DraftKings users. You've got to be 21 years or older. This is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks in your Sportsbook account, then place a wager of at least $5 on NFL or college football games between now and the end of Week 2, uh, the, the last kickoff of Week 2, which is September the 19th. By doing that, you'll receive $200 instantly in addition to any cash winnings from your original wager once it settles. And for tomorrow, for Thursday Night Football, Chargers Chiefs up 7 early win. Go up a touchdown and get paid immediately. Win your money line bet if your team leads by seven points at any time of the game. Even if they lose the game, you win. You opt in. You place a pregame paid money line bet. And if your team leads by at least seven points at any point, you win. It's all at DraftKings.com and through the DraftKings app. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know how you're listening to us, either through the great radio partner you're tuned in to right now or through all of the social media platforms at Outkick 360. Guys, it's been a while since we, we've transitioned from football back to baseball, but the playoff races are in full swing. They have been. We've got some home Tis runs. Tis the season. Home run races uh, going on right now and much more. Michael McHenry is in studio with us, former Pittsburgh Pirate, and I must say Blue Raider, played for Coach Pete, uh, RIP, uh, at mm. Middle Tennessee, and a uh, good friend. Uh, great to have him in studio here at 6th and Peabody. How are you, brother? I'm great. Thanks for having me. And yes, R RIP to Coach Pete. What a That's wonderful right. man. 
he did it the right way and great storyteller man great storyteller so he once let me tag along on a road trip paul coach pete did my first one wanting to get in media and um uh, i was going because i thought it was going to be a fill-in on a broadcast in birmingham total washout rain out did nothing but just drive down with the team turn around drive back you didn't even get ryan's Nothing. No Golden Corral? Uh, I, yeah, we if, ate if anything, high I, class. I didn't, yeah. eat, I didn't eat with you guys. That, you know, <laughs> I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. It, it was not a low-calorie meal, you're saying, no. when you went to Golden Corral? Oh, no, no, no. It was no, all no. about the carbo loading? Yeah, I mean, that, that was, was our budget, on? I guess, or at least that was Coach Pete's favorite. Or love we went it. to Shoney's. We also love Shoney's. So, so uh, Michael McHenry in studio with us. Uh, you are doing what now in the media world? I'm a pre- and post-game analyst with the Pirates, and I'm on the broadcast. I do a lot of in-game analysis kind of coming in, coming out. It's more a segment base. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's something I never dreamed I would have done because as a kid, I had two learning disabilities, couldn't speak in front of people. And now I'm on a regional network and I've been on MLB TV, all that stuff. So it's kind of a surreal thing for me. And you're just taking off now. Like you want to make this their full-time gig, right? Yeah. I love being able to teach kids. You know, th there's a lot going on in the game, being able to teach kids and show the fans and almost bridge that gap. You know, between yeah. all the analytics, the old school, I think there's so much to it. The game is so special and so many things are going on that people don't see. I try to bring that to light. Well, good news for you. We have a lot of kids who watch this show and listen. So <laughs> a lot of gonna, adult kids, we're gonna too, We're going to teach sure. them. Yeah, you can teach us. We're big kids. Love Just it. think of us as, as big kids right now, Michael, and answer this question for me. Mm-hmm. What is good about the rules changes coming to Major League Baseball? Let, let's start with the pitch clock, and then we'll get into the others. Well, first off, why change a business that has continued to grow? It's over a $7 billion business. Every team is worth over a billion dollars, so they're kind of messing with fire, in my opinion. So first off, the pitch clock, it's worked in the minor leagues. I hate how they're going to put that rule enforcement in place. Ball strike, absolutely not. You've got to do it with money. If you're going to change anything, you have to do it with money. You have to find them. It's so what they did back in 14. I remember Troy Tulitsky wrote a check for 180 grand to a charity and said, I'm never going to follow this rule. You got two chances to say, hey, two warnings, and then, uh-uh, you had to pay a fine. He wrote that check, sent it off. It's his career. It's his decision, right? We get to the pinnacle of, of a game. We're pretty much brain surgeons when you come to think of, you know, being able to get there. I think there's 26,000 people that have made it to the major league. So here we are. Now they're changing things. Either make these old guys not have to do it or, you know, slowly implement it through the minor leagues. And when everyone's kind of gone away, bring it in. But it's just, it's just not good to do right in the middle of a season. Same thing with the, with the tacky stuff last year. You cannot do those things right in the middle of a season. Well, they're not going to do it in the middle of the season. They're going to do well, it at even, the start of the season. Yeah. They're going to tell a pitcher, get the hell on the rubber and throw a damn pitch. What's yeah, wrong with that? It should be a hitter's clock. It's not the pitchers that don't want that tempo. It should be a hitter's clock. The hitters are the ones Schilling that... I, I, watched, yeah. I watched a game earlier this year. Now, I did the best I could off TV, mm -hmm. and I kind of kept track of the guys who were stepping out of the box the most. I think Velcro should be made illegal, honestly, <laughs> because guys play with their Velcro a lot. But like I, did, I didn't find that many guys who were stepping out that long. I thought it was more of a pitcher's problem than it was a hitter's, well, and it's, hitter's problem. Watching one game very specifically for that. It's also interesting, Michael, because it, Hutton referenced Kurt Schilling. We had him on and asked him about this, and he said, quite frankly, if if you need the pitch clock, you suck as a pitcher. <laughs> he said, and that, that was my experience throughout his playing career, was the guys who took the longest time typically aren't any good. And they're, they're, not take, they're taking their time because they're not assertive and they don't know exactly what to do on the next pitch, but guys who are good don't, don't take as much time. 
You're saying you see this more, though, as a, a hitter's problem than a pitcher's problem in the game. Yeah, I think there has to be a balance. You think about guys out on the mound, right? As a catcher, I'm, I'm trying to manage that. I'm trying to navigate him through a game. I caught a lot of debuts. Some guys, their heart rate just starts speeding up, and I start tossing it back slow, slowing them down. That pace is always going to be changing. That's the nuance of the game that needs to be taught, needs to be shown, because I think novice are going to absolutely love the understanding of that. So they bring more back into the players talking, doing the things. like They did a couple of things in the All-Star game. Having the pitchers and catchers actually call the game together, having conversations, stuff like that will change the game. That keeps you more interested. It's not the time that's the problem. It's the fact that there's not a lot going on. They need more things going on, whether it's, hey, breaking it in a half segment, something's going on here. What did you work on during the, during the cage work? Have uh, videos in the bullpen, the cage, the weight room. Let these people have access. And I think that's going to change everything in 20 seconds here, 25 seconds, 15 seconds. But I'll tell you right now, as a hitter, I hated guys that work fast because it was going to speed me up. And I had my mental skills coach saying, you got to slow down. You got to breathe. You got to take a deep, deep breath and then step into the box. Visualize what you want to do. Well, that's not speeding the game up. So where's their clock, right? Like, where's their timing? It's, there's so much more that goes into it. But I agree with you. Like, I think the tempo there is good. But I also think when they hit a ball in the gap, start playing music like the NBA. Like, have some fun in this game. The old school is great. The new school is great. Let's try to combine those things. So um, I hate the shift. So I, I was thrilled to see that the rule where you have to have two infielders on either side of, of second base with, 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 and, and eliminate, there's still going to be some shifting, but eliminate you know the hit up the middle for years and years growing up is now an out at first because the third baseman you know, is over by second base when the ball is hit. What, what do you think of this rule change, Michael? Well, I, th- I think it's a little bit of a mirage. They're still going to have a shift. They just can't go across second base. So at the end of the day, you're still going to see the third baseman almost playing shortstop Shorts up almost behind second base. The second baseman almost behind the first baseman. So you're going to see all those shifts still. And these guys can move as the pitch is being thrown. So they can actually move maybe in the direction that they see. But I think, once again, adapt. Let guys try to adapt. Make Joey Gallo bunt for a double. I mean, that's kind of cool. Make that He just won't shift. do it, though. Nobody's done it. Well, you know what? It's the so we're going to force them to yeah, have to change the way they pay them. <laughs> change the way they pay them. I guarantee you. You'll snap it right back, <laughs> right? Because if it wasn't just home runs and OPS that everyone's looking at, and when you go to arbitration, it's all that matters. Strikeouts, get on base, extra base hits, the OPS plus or whatever it's called, that's what they're chasing constantly. So if he hits 200, but his OPS is 820, he's one of the best power guys in the league, period. He's way above average. I believe this year it's the lowest on trend. I think it's 715 or 720. It's a joke. So these guys are chasing what they're getting paid for. So I, I'm a bigger Aaron Judge fan now. He hit 56 and 57 last Ooh. night. But after the game, he said, you know, I grew up watching Albert Pujols hit 330. And I'm more concerned with batting average. M- maybe I'm a little old school that way. I love all the home runs, but I want to see my batting average get up there more. That's a refreshingly old school approach to what you're talking about, Michael, of changing the way guys think about the game. And it gets him in the triple crown hunt. Yes. If he could get, uh, you know, 15 points up in batting average. Yeah, and you see Paul Goldschmidt doing it in the National League. These guys are chasing, you know, history. And I love that they're trying to do things a little bit different. It's not just about the home run, but there's something to be said about Kyle Schwarberg. You know, he's, he's leading the league in home runs. He's producing. You want that guy in the middle of your lineup. But there's something even more to be said when you look at Nolan Arenado and then Paul Goldschmidt right at 300 having the best years of their career because they did some things different, new school-wise. And then they came out and they're doing stuff that looks a little bit old school. Both guys are... I mean, trending in the right direction in their 30s. It's awesome to see, and it's good for baseball. 
Michael McHenry in studio with us talking Major League Baseball, big topics on Outkick 360. So let's say the Yankees go to the playoffs, they lose to the Astros. Like, is what's going to happen? You know, uh, what should happen to Cashman and his hire of Boone, considering the fact that they're constantly in the playoffs, obviously, and, and do well enough there, but haven't delivered what New York fans expect since 2009, and they've had their jobs, you know, Cashman for a quarter century. Yeah, honestly, I, I think it's always a scapegoat. Somebody's going to get the, the Does plug. Does he deserve it? Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that is necessarily the leader on the podium, but it, it's really the players that have to perform at the end of the day. He, he's only trying to show these guys the, the, the road. It may be the analytical problem. It's the problem. The guys that are creating the, the uh, run production plans, the player plans, the pitching plans, and everything else that he's trying to implement and do. But I don't know... When you, when you look at every organization, you have to look at, see, okay, is he actually controlling what's going on in the game, the in-game decisions? Because they map these things out from first inning, ninth inning, and all these scenarios through computer programs, through analytics and data. So at the end of the day, is he managing that? Is he managing the guys? The ones that can balance both are special. So if he's one of those guys, yeah, he should keep his job. If not, he's just going to get recycled and signed somewhere else usually because that's what happens in the major leagues. Are you more interested in the Pujols or Judge Chase right now? I think they're both really interesting. I, I don't know what type of oil Pujols put on his body, but the machine is back. And, I mean, he's just been absolutely killing it. It was just – It's pretty miraculous. Yeah, it really is. I mean, he's 42. He's having the best year of his career with, you know, less opportunities. He's killing lefties, but he also came in and hit one of our best relievers the other day in Pittsburgh. Like, it was nothing out to center field. I was like, man, this guy is dominating the fastball at the above, above the zone and high velocity, which isn't normal for a 42-year-old. So, either he's completely changed his plan – or he got some good oil. You know, he just looks different. Maybe he's got some freedom because he had some family issues over the last couple of years. I have no idea, but it's been interesting. So that one's way more interesting to me because 700, I mean, you're not going to see that very often, but Judge, thinking about 61, 62 homers for the season. I mean, that's Yankees history. You know, Maris, Ruth, you know, they've already cut away Bonds and McGuire and Sosa. I think they're six of the top 10. So it's really the first time anybody's actually has a chance to do this besides Stanton, but he was in Miami. Who cares? In your circles, has anyone talked about Judge leaving the Yankees? No. No. I, I, I couldn't believe he turned down the deal. Good news for you, Paul. Yep. Yeah, I, I've not heard anything. They keep that pretty wrapped tight, especially during the season. A lot so of guys don't want everyone would be shocked. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they love him there. I mean, he has, he has, he has his own jury out there, you know, in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's kind of cool. It's, it's all great. It's just... Uh, everywhere, like even the Mets, Mets are having the custom Mets jerseys with Judge on the back with the 99. I mean, it's it's intriguing. And it, Paul hasn't, I mean, he hates the idea of it, but he also hasn't just demanded that it's it's a non-starter and a non-topic. Well, I, I think there's a per, small percent chance that he leaves uh, because I think... I would be stunned, man. Hal Steinbrenner is a what little it, bit of a wimp. What type of money is he looking at now based on what he turned down? When you talk about money, I always think about Shohei, but um, I mean, 400 million, 350. I mean, it really depends. These guys can get so much money on that one to two year deal. I mean, he could get $50 million on a one year deal. So he could sign a two year, three year deal for almost 200 million bucks, have an option to leave. So I, that's why I think the Yankees will keep him. I mean, if they think they're right on the cusp, that maybe they don't make it all the way this year and they're right on the cusp. Why leave? He's got that baby porch in right field. He's not a normal human being. He's like 12 feet tall. He looks like Andre the Giant with muscles. It's unreal what he can do with the baseball bat. So why leave? I always think about that when guys leave. And 
I guess Ramirez and, and the Guardians with, uh, I can't even say Garden, Guardians, the Indians in Cleveland, the, this guy took less money to stay there because of comfort. There's something to be said about that because sometimes you know if you leave, like Josh Hader, he left Milwaukee, he went to San Diego, he has not pitched well. That's not his personality. Judge, maybe that's where he is. They let him have a chance. He kind of scruffled, did some stuff in the minor leagues, couldn't figure it out, did why leave? You're going to get all the money you could ever imagine in your life. Also, his marketing is never going to oh. touch what it what it is in well, the order. But the, Bra- a- the Braves could use an extra outfielder, so let's be fair. What an amazing gamble, though, Chad. Yeah. You know, to turn down uh, what he turned down. It's enough about the Yankees, though, guys. The Braves. That's oh, yes. what we want to get to. Uh, 88 <laughs> wins as of last night, Michael. They, they're, they matched last year's total. They're on pace for 100. They won the World Series last year with 88 regular season wins. First time possibly with 100 wins since 2003 if the Braves get there this year. What are the chances of this team repeating? I think it's very, very good. If they can get past the Mets, I think it's very, very good. It really depends They're on... They're a half game back as of right now from right. the Mets in the division. And that's what I love about the playoffs. I love that they had added that extra wild card. It lets good teams get in, and you have one of the better divisions in that National League East, so you have two teams... Let them fight it out. Let them duke it out. When they get to the playoffs, I think it's good for baseball. So at the end of the day, whichever team's hot, they both have pitching. I think the Braves' offense kind of levels levels a little bit higher than the Mets, but got to let it play out because you have Albies last night, five hits, game-winning homer. He's going to be back very soon. And my boy Strider from Knoxville, I mean, that guy's just been unreal, and he's got the best mustache in the league. <laughs> Dodgers are unreal. Yes. All right. They're not fair. 50 games over, something like that. If the Yankees were 50 games over eh, or, or won like the Dodgers have been winning, everybody would say they're buying it, they're buying it, they're buying it. Look at their payroll. Why don't, doesn't anybody say that about the Dodgers who have the biggest payroll in the league by $3 million over the match and by substantially more over the Yankees and everybody else, but they don't get the same complaints? And they are buying it. I completely agree. I have no idea. I've often wondered that question like, why, why New York gets it? Maybe because maybe their fans hold them to a higher standard. But L.A. doesn't get it at all. Maybe because they keep going back to the playoffs. I mean, it seems like they're just always on the brink of winning a World Series over the last five years. I have no idea. But it really has been strange. Just think about it. One of their better players is banned for two years. If they had him, they'd be almost unstoppable. There's no telling how, much, you know, how many games they would have actually won. It's just remarkable to see what they're doing. It's kind of going under the radar, and nobody does give them a hard time. I'm going to start loading up my Twitter, giving them a hard time. I, I, They're think buying. That, I like it. But not just that about buying the team. To me, the big disappointment is the one World Series with this span of talent. And it was in the short year. That they've had. I mean, I think of it almost like Aaron Rodgers with only the one Super Bowl with mm. the Packers. He needs to get a second one. I look at the Dodgers and think, it's very disappointing if they only have the 2020 shortened season as their World Series title with all of these wins with these guys. And they don't get crushed for it either. That's so true. Yeah, I think they should be winning more, but you know, that's, the, that's the cool part about baseball. Any given day, like the Pirates, we, we won our season series. Pirates were one of the worst teams in baseball. We beat the Dodgers, four out of, I think it was four out of six. So at the end of the day, any given day in the major leagues, any team could win. You're not, you're not going to see just blowout after blowout just because their payroll is 250 or 280 million and the Pirates is like 12. I know the Pirates are a tough sell. Has O'Neill Cruz captivated that that city at all? I just hope he stays on a course to superhuman because that guy is just something special. I mean, already setting some records in Stackhouse. The guy runs like a gazelle. He can throw. I mean, 96 across the diamond. 
set a Statcast record, sprint speed, Statcast record, exit velocity, Statcast record. He should be popping balls in the Allegheny, which is right outside the right field fence consistently. I mean, what he can do is just absolutely phenomenal, but you always got to be very slow to jump on these guys' bandwagon because you never know they could get hurt. They could maybe fall in love with themselves and not get to that next level, but he seems like he's making a good progression. He'll look good standing next to Judge in a team picture in three years. That's just yeah. not fair. Him judge standing Judge? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, would well, that, that be a well, That would be shaking lines right there. Yeah, that really would changing course. <laughs> hey, is, uh, the new playoff format, how much is that impacting the, the finish of a regular season right now? I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's really cool how almost every single year it seems like it comes down to one or two games, no matter what. You add some more teams in the mix, and you're going to see teams like – the Reds and the Pirates and the Cubs that maybe didn't have a great season this season, they're going to jump into this playoff race within the next year or two, and it's going to be a little bit different. But I do wish, for going back to the Dodgers, I wish they'd bring that gap closer. But they have to do a floor if you're ever going to do a cap. And at the end of the day, guys are never going to say, oh, let's not spend more money. And the Pirates are never going to say, we don't like that compensation. Please, don't give us that $35 million for the season to start. So they have a really good thing. Maybe it's never a salary cap, but they need to bring that closer because – you, don't, you think about the Dodgers' payroll. Do you ever think about their analytical department being the best, their farm system being the best, them being able to pay their coaches the most money? That's the biggest separator when you think about it. Yeah, you can go buy those players, but they're developing as good as anybody too. The, uh, the non-traditional, maybe that's a, a bad way to phrase it, the streaming uh, platforms that they've introduced this year for broadcast, Major League Baseball view that as a success based on numbers, viewership, feedback, all of it? I haven't got to see the numbers, but yeah, it had to be a success. They brought in guys like Pinch Ninja and did some different things that was kind of non-traditional. I think they're trying to bring in different fans. They're bringing in betting. They're bringing in stack cast. They're trying to do some things that maybe bring in that younger group or yeah. that younger audience. And then they just gave away the MLB app for a year for, with college students. So they're trying really hard to get in that demographic. They're not having a hard time with, with my dad's age, you know, 40 and above. Those guys go out, they drink their beers, they eat their hot dogs, and they watch baseball. So it's more of a minor league approach to those guys, like the younger crowd. I think so. I think they're trying to go after that younger market, and they got to get into branding the players like NFL and NBA to really captivate those young guys because if they're not on TikTok and all that stuff, they're not going to captivate that audience because they have a 15-second time lapse. Like, they're done, right? Rodeo ride, and they're out. I, I told him earlier, I said, there's, I believe the Phillies have been on this quite a bit. I, it was you that told me that, I believe. All of Teresa's family. Oh, yeah. On Apple TV. On Apple TV, yeah. yeah. Just, my father-in-law is just miserable. He's not, he's, not getting a, <laughs> he's not getting a new service that he didn't know how to use to see a, a, a handful of games. But on those nights that they're playing and he it, can't it's see them, really he clean. is miserable. I, I watched a lot of Braves Mariners Friday night. They were the late night game on, um, on Apple TV. It, the broadcast looks terrific. Uh, it is crystal clear. They have, to, to your point, Michael, they have the percentages, you know, percentage chance of RBI, percentage chance to get on base. Every single pitch, it changes at the bottom My of the screen. My 12-year-old With the percentage of what could stats. happen on the next pitch. He loves really those cool. stats, and he, he thinks it's a miracle that they change so quick. So quickly. What, what about you guys? What do you guys think about where baseball is going? You know, all the, all the rule changing, all the things they're trying to do. I, it's kind of hard to depict which direction they're trying to go besides trying to get that younger demographic. I've pounded the table on it. It needs to embrace its differences. Mm. I don't like all the uh, all of the extra playoff teams. I don't I don't like everything it's doing that makes it more like games that aren't daily. It's a daily sport. That's the beauty of it. You can check the score every night. 
but uh, the things that it does to make it fit uh, the divisional alignment. I want more Yankees Red Sox. I don't want more Yankees Mariners that doesn't have tradition <laughs> and meaning behind it. I, I think some of the changes they're making are 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 not good. They should sell the fact that they're different. See, I, I think they need more stars. I think they need a better job of marketing their biggest guys. I mean, Aaron Judge should, should be, be on huge. as many commercials as Baker Mayfield was. Everywhere. I see Baker Mayfield's personality shine in commercials. I can yep. see Aaron Rodgers. I can see Patrick Mahomes. You know, other sports do a better NBA does a good job of selling their stars. They do a better job of marketing those guys. The top guys need to be a draw. That when you go and watch, I don't care what team they play for, it's an experience. You know, when we were little, if you saw King Griffey Jr. live, that was a big deal. Well, there's because, not a lot. There's not enough guys like that in Major League Baseball today. But because we tuned in for Griffey, we knew Joey Cora. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, and we could mimic his batting stance. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> so, it, it, so. It's a star power. We're I talking think about Otani. Otani should be massive. Well, he's right next to Trout. <laughs> He's literally yeah. right next to maybe the best generational player in MLB. That is a franchise problem. Yeah. It, the fact that they went to the Angels the West is Coast awful problem. for Major League Baseball. Well, it's the second team in L.A., and no one cares. The ownership doesn't even care about the Angels. They're trying to sell the team. I mean, it's a, just a terrible fit. But if any other sport had something comparable, and there's nothing comparable to pitching and hitting, but, I mean, it would be the biggest story. If Otani was a cup, with the for instance, it would be a, a bigger deal. My, my favorite thing they've done, Michael, is the, uh, the extra innings, putting a runner on second. Instant... I mean, instant juice yeah you, you i'm turning it over really that game good. if i know it's going to extras yeah, because it's, it's, it's total energy i i love it I, I know it felt gimmicky but it added an entertainment value to you know a, a 30 minute viewing audience that may be tuning over just to see the fans. gotta score two runs to because yeah. you know the other team's gonna get one yeah um yeah. how long are you in town i'm actually leaving tonight go back up to pittsburgh so that's right. a great Quick stadium tournament. That, that's one of the best stadiums. It's beautiful, isn't it? The, if you, if you've country. not been, you have to go. The backdrop's just phenomenal. I mean, just, it, it's a beautiful place. And I, I feel like we get the draw to go there isn't necessarily our fan base. It's, it's people it's coming in. To the see, ball game. Yeah, exactly. Ramani Brothers, I see light and a seat behind the plate at a reasonable price. All right, where, where can no we doubt. find you next on the broadcast in 30 seconds? Uh, AT&T Sportsnet, and who knows? Even better. He gave it to us in the 15 uh, second sound clip. Just <laughs> I like try a, my best. Just like a 17-year-old would want on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. The Fort Kids has been in them. studio with us. Michael McHenry has been our guest. A lot of fun. Uh, but we hope to have you back in and back on the show as we preview the uh, the playoffs coming up, man. I'd love that. Appreciate you guys. Thanks yeah. a lot. Thank thanks you. for stopping by. And uh, a big thanks to uh, the guys here at Yeehaw and, and Old Smokey for, for making it happen for us. We are back. We'll wrap up the hour. And then Bobby Carpenter is just around the corner as well. Now kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on. Our thanks to Michael McHenry for joining us in studio. A little baseball talk. I, I am intrigued by the pool holes thing. 
with did you for see, 700, which came out of nowhere uh, based on how he was playing last year. Max Kellerman had suggested to apologize. that um, Pujols had uh, found the fountain of youth. And I mean, uh, I've, I've joked about it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't well, know that his was much too. worse than yours. No, he and said like, he whatever the, that bartender <laughs> serving him, serve yeah. me up some too. It's kind of what he said. And then he got lit up on social media. And I, I don't think that's why he had to apologize. I think Major League Baseball and Pujols uh, pressured. Pujols tweeted something about the clip. And then I think the next day ESPN made him apologize. Yeah, I think it's a baseball but it's also, MLB partnership issue. It's also ridiculous that, I mean, you can go down the list of things that Stephen A. Smith has said. He's never had to issue an apology on well, anything, but Max Kellerman says it, and it's also it's a joke. It, I mean, well, but it's also totally plausible. Of course, it's the league. Yes, the it, Major League Baseball owns the company that makes the ball that they're using. Like, well, he's he's talking about. Oh, I know. I know. Roids, but, yeah. but we know that era, um, and they've already admitted that they've implemented two different baseballs in the middle of a season before. So I, that's that's totally fair to bring that up out of yeah. nowhere. Here he is chasing 700 when he was awful a year ago. And he's not even 42. He's probably more like 47. I think it's ridiculous that he had to um, apologize. I think it's kind of ridiculous that Albert Pujols even cares if someone's joking about that. I mean, come on. Thicker skin. Yeah, it's it's it, Hutton, you nailed it. It's it's part of the history of the game. I mean, it's it. This is not. It's no longer something hidden, you know, in a, a, some Andrastein. Or whatever it was in the background of Mark McGuire's clean in the clear. clubhouse. I mean, come on. Oh, the well, people uh, who probably you know wonder about Judge. Yeah. All rise. <laughs> Headlines next. Now kick three sixty. I'm, I'm not complaining about Royds.